Hello and welcome to The Frontline, a podcast from ILGA Europe. We represent and work on behalf of over 600 LGBTI activist organizations across Europe and Central Asia. And our podcast aims to bring you to the front lines of queer activism in the regions. I'm your host, Belinda Deer, and this is the fourth episode in our mini-series on rainbow family rights in 2021, during which we're looking at the issues affecting LGBTI parents and their children across Europe. Today, my colleague Brian Finnegan will be talking to Ukrainian activist Olena Shevchenko from the Kyiv-based organization Insight and Andriy Maimulakhin from Nashmir in the city of Luhansk about the situation for partnership rights in Ukraine. So without further ado, over to Brian. Thanks, Belinda, and welcome Olena and Andriy to the front line. Let's talk to, uh, to begin with about the current situation in Ukraine the ongoing Russian military intervention and um, how that's affected where LGBTI rights stand on the agenda. Alina, maybe if you start. Thank you for inviting me to this conversation. And uh, yeah, to start with the current situation uh, with LGBTQI rights and of course, taking into account the complexity of the whole situation which we all live today in uh, modern Ukraine. So, yeah, to start with that, I would say that after the revolution, the Euromaidan revolution, uh, of course, the focus changed uh, significantly because before we had almost the same situation as in Russia uh, with all those proposed laws on um, anti-homosexual propaganda and uh, uh, foreign agents law, for instance. But uh, luckily, after Euromaidan, of course, Ukraine kind of, let's say, changed the uh, vector of the development towards the EU and the EU integration, hopefully. And, uh, of course, all those laws, um, let's say, they put that on the pause. It doesn't mean that we completely change, you know, our culture, and the values and became more uh, European-oriented. No, uh, but at least, let's say, Ukrainian LGBTQI community felt that we had some rights, some rights to go to the public assemblies, some rights to uh, talk about ourselves openly in media, for instance, without any persecution from the state. But from the other hand, of course, the rising of nationalism and this patriotism, it caused a huge backlash on such called national identity. And uh, this is quite connected to uh, such traditionalistic uh, approach, which is, of course, also about traditional values concept. And um, what we heard uh, after Euromaidan, that Ukraine is not definitely going to support Russian tradition values, but we invented, uh, how to say it, our own Ukrainian traditional values, which is totally anti-LGBT, unfortunately. And of course, it's not only about LGBT, it's also about gender equality and women's rights. Now we uh, also feel the huge impact of so-called, you know, backlash on uh, Istanbul Convention, for instance, from such countries as in Poland, Hungary and Turkey. And the recent news from Turkey is very sad, to be honest. And this is, of course, complicated our movement towards the equality. 
because it seems like LGBTQI rights is the red flag, uh, which used by our nationalist parties and also nationalistic oriented society groups um, to say, uh, to talk about uh, so-called gay rope and also uh, that Ukraine need to invent our own way without all those gay ropeization. So, uh, and of course, it influenced uh, pretty much on the, all our uh, advocacy efforts to talk about uh, partnership and uh, marriage equality in Ukraine. So in few words, I would say that people just saying that this is not a big deal for Ukraine. Uh, this is not the right time to talk about that. And we have some other more important issues. So, Andre, in that context, how does lobbying political players or policymakers work advocating for LGBTI rights? Is it, is it difficult to find allies? Uh, the problem is that uh, uh, there is no political will to change situation uh, around LGBT. Yes, on paper, uh, starting from 2015, when it was adopted, uh, our national uh, human rights strategy and action plan to implement this strategy. Yes, it was quite good, a number of uh, good uh, activities proposed to improve legislation on hate crimes, uh, also to adopt, uh, to, to develop at least civil partnership uh, uh, legislation to improve the uh, situation of transgender people. But most of these uh, items uh, were uh, uh, left on paper. So there was no, and still, unfortunately, no political will to move forward with implementing all these tasks. Uh, in this situation, uh, unfortunately, uh, we do not see a strong uh, possible allies in parliament or in, in the government who can promote these uh, rights. Uh, for example, last year, uh, almost a year ago, last spring, uh, it was... Uh, proposed a legislation on hate crimes in in the parliament but unfortunately it was not passed in the parliament so yeah situation is unfortunately not not easy for political lobby and in that difficult situation what is the weight that rape and family rights is given in the larger context of the lgbti movement Alina, maybe if you address that to begin with, is there is there a strong will to gain rainbow family rights? Well, it uh, pretty depends on uh, what kind of actors we are talking about. Uh, if it's uh, NGOs or civil society organizations, especially those who are trying to protect LGBTQI rights, that yes, of course, we have this will. <laughs> but uh, talking about other uh, important actors, as Andri already said, uh, I don't see also uh, the political will or, 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 you know, like they call it the right moment for that. I even uh, can say that uh, they don't have even a discussion about that in their political forces, in their political parties. They don't have this official discussion among themselves on their attitude towards LGBTQI. So uh, this is pretty hard to talk in such circumstances about uh, how we somehow can move forward. And especially if, for instance, we don't have the strong alliances. So even those NGOs which are working on the broader concept 
uh, not only about LGBT, but the ho- human rights agenda in general. They are not like prioritizing LGBTQI. That's the case. And across the movement, I mean, there's a lot of LGBT, well, several LGBTI organizations across Ukraine. Is there a consensus or a, of an idea that partnership rights is important to the movement? Uh, I know that uh, uh, some organizations, uh, for example, propose uh, um, keep uh, uh, civil partnership but uh, advocate for family uh, for marriage rights. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure that there is uh, uh, absolutely consensus. But uh, uh, of course, uh, there are organizations who support uh, uh, civil partnership and uh, try to do something in this area. Um, I uh, wanted to, to add uh, um, to previous question. I mentioned about this uh, uh, national strategy on human rights and action plan. And uh, in 2000, uh, and uh, the government uh, every year, they monitored implementation of the uh, action plan. And in 2018, they said that the item about civil partnership is it is impossible to implement because there is a lot of address from church organizations which say against this item. And also, Minister of Justice said that there is no address from LGBT organizations and LGBT people to support this item. And our organization heard this issue and we organized advocacy strategy. We asked LGBT people to write letters to the Ministry of Justice, actually to us, and we give these letters to Ministry of Justice. And very in very short time, we received more than 1,000 letters from LGBT. So it is there is support from LGBT community for this civil partnership. But uh, yeah, it is not very vocal because people understand there is no uh, rights. Uh, But uh, uh, yeah, people understand (laughs) it is important. So Lena, uh, Insight produced a report on trans family rights recently. Can you talk to me about how you're looking at that issue and whether that issue can be addressed? Well, uh, that that's for us. That's the huge priority uh, to work on the advancement of the trans rights in Ukraine. And of course, uh, that report which we produced, it, it's a huge uh, work done by several our members who are themselves uh, uh, from trans community. And this is a huge analysis on uh, how it's um, how it's now uh, happening in different countries in terms of the family rights. And talking about Ukraine, uh, to be honest, we are uh, in a pretty hard situation now. Uh, then uh, we achieved some results, to be honest, in the recent years, especially when it comes to gender reassignment procedure which is now not requires sterilization, for instance, for people. So you can change your document uh, based uh, on your diagnosis. And the next step, of course, for us is uh, to talk about ICD-11 and also to work on depotologization for trans people. But in terms of the um, accessing family rights, it, it is pretty hard. Because to be honest, it's also pretty connected to same-sex couples and marriages. Because for many trans people, then, for instance, they are changing their documents and uh, having the marriage. They need to divorce. And this is the pretty, you know, direct uh, violation of the human rights. 
So now we are trying to uh, work on that cases also. We have several cases in the courts and hopefully uh, some of them uh, will go to the European Court for Human Rights. You talked earlier on about the Europeization of the idea around LGBTI rights that Ukraine is wants to have its own traditional values. How do you speak about the experiences of Ukrainian citizens within that context? Uh, it's hard to say that um, this is a huge discussion, for instance, in Ukraine. As I told, for instance, in uh, after Euromaidan revolution, that we uh, were on the Euromaidan staying there for the human rights. But not many people did the same. People came to Euromaidan uh, to demand a better life. And the better life, uh, it's almost always about some economical growth, salaries, pensions, and so far and so on. And human rights concept is pretty hard to understand for the casual people. And the same happening now, then we talk about so-called European values. People just never get it. Like they didn't get what uh, are we talking about now. And uh, talking about traditional values concept, that's uh, mainly how, for instance, political parties use this electoral support and trying to manipulate with these feelings and also beliefs, because it's mainly based on this religious basis. So this is for traditional family, for instance. They are saying, let's protect the traditional family, because we have many divorces. And divorces caused by LGBTQI. That's how they use it. You see, so such manipulations are pretty popular in Ukrainian uh, society, and especially then it comes to a political spectrum. So there is no huge discussion in Ukraine about the concepts of traditional values or European values, but there is a tension. Andrei, there's a lot going on in Ukraine at the moment. It's a, it's, you know, it seems to be at a bit of a crossroads, you know, post-revolution. Do you think there's any concrete opportunities for partnership rights and LGBTI rights to be had at this moment in time in the country? Uh, I mentioned uh, this uh, national strategy, uh, national human rights strategy, which was adopted in 2015, but it was for five years, so now it is over. And... Uh, Last year, uh, Minister of Justice uh, involving uh, NGOs, experts from human rights uh, uh, organizations, they developed, uh, updated a national uh, human rights strategy and action plan. And they moved uh, uh, this item about uh, partnership uh, from uh, this previous action plan to new. They rephrased some uh, some issues. They do not say it about... uh, as same-sex couples, but it is uh, uh, clear that it is about uh, civil partnership. Uh, unfortunately, uh, it is still not adopted by uh, Cabinet of Ministers. So it uh, again shows that uh, there is no real political will to, uh, in general, to uh, improve uh, human rights situation. So it is something, it goes very slowly. Another issue which I can say, another strategy, actually. Me and uh, my partner in 2015, uh, we uh, submitted our complaint to European Court on Human Rights. Uh, the basis of this complaint is uh, that in our lab- uh, sorry, uh, uh, family code, uh, even if men and women is not married, but they live together as a family, 
they have uh, a common uh, property rights and some other rights. And so based on this, uh, we say we are two men living together more than 10 years, but we unfortunately do not have uh, the same rights as un not married uh, men and women. So we see it as a discrimination. And uh, this uh, February, uh, our case uh, was the first which was communicated with Ukraine. So it is another strategy. We shall see. Of course, it will not. The decision of court will take uh, some some years. And uh, we hope that uh, we shall win in our case. If it will happen, then it will be another strategy to uh, push uh, Ukrainian uh, government and parliament uh, to uh, some, somehow to uh, regulate this issue. So. In some years, uh, probably we shall have more basis to speak about this issue. But of course, uh, this years we, we, we need uh, all uh, us, I mean, uh, uh, LGBT organizations, human rights organizations, we have uh, to put an eye on this issue and to, to uh, advocate this issue on political level. And Alina, um, in terms of strategies, is Insight involved in, or in developing strategies around partnership rights? To be honest, no, not not uh, really. Uh, we have uh, some other directions now and other priorities. But if it will be a discussion among LGBTQI um, organizations, different, we will be happy to join to such discussion. We several times told that uh, we think it it's need to be discussed. I should say that uh, the uh, problem of COVID, uh, unfortunately. Make a pause on on uh, all our activities. I know that uh, a previous year, uh, Kiev Pride wanted to uh, proclaim have an agenda of uh, Pride about partnership, so it could uh, provoke this discussion. And uh, I, I think, uh, unfortunately, this year it will be also no such big event. So we shall uh, we have to wait uh, until this COVID uh, problem will finish. And Alina, Insight is involved in organising and working with people on the ground, really, in terms of their life experiences. And are you coming across couples and families, uh, rainbow families with children who are in difficulty in your, in your daily work? Well, talking about us, uh, Insight now uh, have uh, 11 community centres in 11 uh, cities regions of Ukraine. And mainly during the COVID pandemic, we are focused on the direct support of the community members uh, by providing them the food packages, psychological support, legal consultations, and also medicines. But we also quite act active on the women's rights in Ukraine. And uh, for instance, uh, with this March, before the third lockdown in Ukraine, we managed to uh, organize the Women's March, and it was 4,800 of uh, persons who came to the streets of Ukraine demanding ratification of Istanbul Convention. So, yeah, we, we're still quite active and uh, trying to, to keep our activities in all regions because people um, request help and support. Uh, this economical crisis and also pandemic uh, is pretty harmful, especially for those who are the most marginalized ones. And of course, that's about LGBTQI people. So COVID-19 is one of the many, many obstacles towards equality and quality of life for LGBTI people. In all of that context, in the, in the very complex context of Ukraine right now, how much hope do you hold out for the future of 
LGBTI rights and partnership rights? Uh, I hope that uh, our country will not change uh, our uh, political view to join uh, European European community. So if uh, it will uh, be in place, if our movement to Europe will uh, will continue, I hope uh, we have quite good. Uh, perspectives with uh, um, improving LGBT rights. Of course, it will not, uh, it will take uh, uh, years, maybe 10 years, uh, but uh, slowly, slowly, we see it uh, even uh, after uh, uh, Revolution of Dignity in 2014, we see that uh, changes are, um, uh, there are positive changes. So I hope, yeah, I'm uh, optimist about the future, but uh, of course we need uh, to move it uh, forward. Angelina, are you similarly optimistic? Uh, well, I, I'm uh, quite optimistic, uh, really, because, you know, I don't have much time to wait, like, 15 or 16 or 100 years. I, I just don't have them. And I, I, I want equality now because I want it for myself. Uh, my activism started, uh, then I decided to fight for my own rights. And of course, then I found other people who also uh, have the same issues. So I, I want to live in this country today uh, with the full you know, enjoyment of my rights, with my partner, to have a family. So that's why, yeah, I, I plan to, to do many things to demand it in the nearest time. And uh, may, may I add, uh, we see uh, of, uh, we started our activities twenty years ago, and for this year, we, uh, years we see that uh, new generation, young generation of LGBT people, they are much more open to the society, to themselves, and uh, it is uh, uh, it gives a hope that uh, uh, it will change the society, and also we see. Uh, some feedback from social uh, media when ordinary people like straight people they become more and more lgbt friendly so i think uh, we are moving uh, towards good good future <laughs> on that note andre and elena i'll uh, say goodbye to you andre good luck with your strategic litigation case and elena uh, and both of you good luck and thank you for the work you're doing and keep strong Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for support. Thank you. Bye bye. You have been listening to the Frontline, Elga Europe's LGBTI activism podcast. Please subscribe, like, or comment wherever you listen to our podcasts, and tune in next time when we'll be talking about the current situation for transparency in Europe. Bye for now.